Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Now, it mightn't be till March next year that we have a general election, but could it be a lot earlier than that? Could it be simultaneously with the European and local elections in June, or could it be around October and November to coincide with the budget? Uh, we have a number of political experts with us to look into the possibilities here. And let me start with you, Ashley Maloney, political correspondent of the Irish Daily Mail, because your own newspaper today had a report suggesting that Fine Gael is quickly getting into a state of readiness. Uh, tell us about that, please. Yes, it seems that uh, Fine Gael are looking to get on a war footing early in the year this year. As we know, um, the local and European elections are going to be held in the first week of June. Um, and as for now, I suppose, or the, the party line is amongst all the party leaders, is that the general election that the coalition hopes to stay the course and the course is the natural end of this term of this government is March 2025, at which time they have to call an election. But there is a lot of speculation, as you said, about that coming earlier. And being in being the Taoiseach at the moment, it is in Leo Varadkar's gift um, when to call the election, although I'm sure he will um, consult with the other party leaders. Um, but in, in essence, what my colleague John Drennan in today's Irish Daily Mail is reporting is that the Fine Gael Party Secretary, John Carroll, is telling politicians to kind of get their houses in order by Easter this year. Um, and that he's warning them that there will be a general election in the next 12 months. So it's a little earlier than March 2025 for sure. Um, and the Sinn Féin poll um, out this weekend or the poll out this weekend that indicated a drop in support for Sinn Féin might also encourage the coalition to head to the polls early. I mean, a lot of this, um, Matt, is about timing. So it may be, you know, that it is the timing is best to go the course of this coalition. The timing might be to go a little earlier to, to capitalise on, as you said, something like a budget bounce or to capitalise on maybe Sinn Féin losing support. So basically, um, sources in, in Sinn Féin, or in, sorry, in Fine Gael are saying um, that, you know, Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, is kind of haunted by his decision not to go to the polls in 2019 and delayed it until 2020. Um, 2023 has been a good fundraising year for Fine Gael. John Carroll was telling politicians and he was warning them um, you know of upcoming raffles in 2024 to raise money he was also warning people that the th- April 30th deadline for the branch affiliation or membership is, is kind of more set in stone than it would usually be he's saying that usually there's a bit of flexibility around this but it absolutely has to be done by April 30th he's encouraging branches to hold their AGMs before the end of January any uh, you know at the Fine Gael National Executive is also telling people that the, the, those branches that have had their local election selection convention where they choose what councillors or what people they want to put forward to be councillors um, that they're also encouraging them to quickly afterwards have their selection convention for the general election too. We saw Fine Gael have their first selection convention for the general election in the Dublin Bay South area recently. I think it was as recent as last week. Um and they're, they're having their Ardesh on the 6th of April, the speculation that that will kind of contain in the air of it, this this, okay. uh, this starting of an election gun, I suppose, with the general, or sorry, with the locals, and then okay. potentially swiftly moving into a general. I'm going to bring Jared Howland in here as a public affairs consultant with somebody who was an advisor to Fianna Fáil back in the Bertie or Hearn era. Do parties just do this as par for the course or when they do try and put a sense of urgency into organisation might that be an indication that they at least are keeping the option open of going early for an election? 
Well, Finley Gwale, because it's ultimately the Taoiseach's call constitutionally, and as Ashling said, he made the wrong call in 2020, um, he has to be ready to make a call if he wishes to. This is not to say he's make, made up his mind, or he will, uh, but it's a profoundly important decision for him not to avail of the opportunity to go before the local and European elections and to stay on till afterwards the autumn or the winter. Um, what he will do remains to be seen. I suppose Eamon Ryan and uh, Michal Martin are tempor- temperamentally, I should say, very steady. I think uh, Leo Varadkar would be more inclined to a gamble, uh, as well as the fact of remembering having got wrong in the past. Um, it's too soon to say where Sinn Féin is at or where we are at in, on Sinn Féin. There's two different polls. One is the Sunday Independent, the other is the Business Post, and they tell quite different stories about Sinn Féin. But if uh, uh, Sinn Féin, if ba- the bad news continues for Sinn Féin, which will be good news for the economy, and I think the confidence um, survey that the Irish Legal Credit Unions have out today is very important to see how people feel about themselves. And I think sort of panic uh, and, and recession have receded somewhat. And of all, I'm sorry, was Sinn Féin's bounce last year largely I saw, in response to the cost of living crisis? Yeah, it was more than a bounce. So they had a massive bounce in the general election. They exceeded all projections, including their own. They got just shy of 25%. And over a year and a half, they were consistently at 30 and, and above in almost every single poll that I can remember. That's more than a bounce. And if that's has changed, if that paradigm has fundamentally changed because there's a different mix of issues and there's a different mood in terms of public confidence, the Taoiseach will, of course, think very deeply about that one and only option he has about before the local and European elections or wait thereafter to take the consequence. Daniel Murray, political correspondent of the Business Post, how high did Sinn Féin go in your series of opinion polls and where is Sinn Féin at now? So back in May 2022, Sinn Féin hit a high of 36% in the Red Sea poll, so really significant and unprecedented figure for the party there. In our latest poll, um, which was out just over the weekend, they had fallen to 25%, and there had been a kind of a gradual decline and then a sudden acute drop in the last two polls since October. So a full 11-point fall from that high of 36%, um, but a 7% uh, fall over the last... Um, two polls. So very significant um, a, a fall, acute fall in, in more recent times. It does appear that some of that support um, even though it is only over two polls is, is heading to some of the other opposition parties as opposed to the, the government parties suggesting that Sinn Féin isn't really competing with the government for votes but is more competing with other members of the opposition and in particular over, since the October polls so over two polls we've seen the independence uh, support increase by three points. We've seen other parties, which can include some of those very right-wing parties, increased by two points, aim to increase by a point, and Fianna Fáil actually up by two points as well, suggesting they may be the only government party uh, that is still somewhat competing uh, for a small electorate um, uh, with uh, Sinn Féin. Uh, those figures do suggest that immigration, as, as we all know, has become uh, a big political issue, and it's a divisive one and a difficult one for, for Sinn Féin. Um, 
Another part of our polling this weekend was on whether or not Ireland had taken in too many refugees, 66% of which said um, we had, but that was a much higher figure for Sinn Féin, um, close to 76% of their supporters said we had, and they were only outflanked um, by independents who have taken a more right-wing stance on immigration on 81%. So you can see how it is a particular issue for Sinn Féin when compared with, with other parties. I see Pater Tobin, the former Sinn Féin, TD, who is now the leader of Antu, tweeting today a little bit of a very explicit jibe, I think, is Sinn Féin saying Antu is the only well-organised challenge to the political establishment. So how much of a problem is it for Sinn Féin that now its competitors are trying to portray it as it moves to attract a wider vote as becoming part of the political establishment? It is a problem for the party. It's particularly a problem for the party when it will have kept to what would be seen by the likes of Pater Tobin as the establishment line on the likes of immigration. Sinn Féin had come in for a lot of praise, actually, as one of the few populist parties in Europe that hadn't exploited um, the issue of immigration and had very much taken a pro-immigration and a very empathetic um, view of, of immigration to date. Um, whether or not it's able to stick to its guns on that now under this kind of pressure from the likes of Pater Tobin and from a number of independents who are looking to make this a big issue at a local level uh, remains to be seen. Um, certainly the poll over the weekend will have rattled leaders. I know that Pierce Doherty was out over the weekend responding to it. He kind of said, look, we'll take all the polls in the round and, and we'll see how, how things go. Uh, but certainly this will have uh, set alarm bells off ringing in headquarters. And just one other thing in relation to that, I see as well that there's a lot of of Sinn Féin activists or those who maybe have new supporters who seem upset about, given the strength of the relationship with Palestine, that Mary Lou MacDonald and Michelle O'Neill may be heading to the White House to meet with Joe Biden in March. And Colm Eastwood, the leader of the SDLP today, maybe tried to steal our thunder a little bit or create embarrassment by saying he wouldn't participate in any of the photo ops with Joe Biden in opposition to the American position on Israel in Gaza. How significant might that be? Is that why Gerry Adams has suddenly been wheeled out more publicly uh, to explain why they feel the need to go to the United States. Well, Israel and Gaza has been another difficult issue um, for Sinn Féin, a wedge issue for the party. And and as you say, a lot of its support base, um, really very pro-Palestine, are are very upset at the scenes that they have seen happening in Gaza over recent weeks. And certainly a lot of them, a big point of debate in the party has been whether or not the leadership should go over to Washington and meet with uh, the American political uh, establishment. Mary Lou MacDonald herself at an event I was at uh, on Friday night with Jerry Adams said that it was a point of discussion across the party and invited Jerry uh, to give his his view on it. And and um, Jerry Adams, of course, not uh, not not these days seen too often holding forth on on Sinn Féin uh, public policy, and um, said that. Their policy had always been to engage with the American political establishment, even when they didn't agree with them on a variety of different political issues down through the years, whether it had been Cuba, whether it was Iraq, Afghanistan. But he said that real freedom fighters understand that you have your own struggle, and by that he meant the struggle of Sinn Féin and those in the North to end partition, and that they would understand and expect 
uh, that Sinn Féin would not uh, put someone else's struggle ahead of their own. OK, before I go back to you, Ashton, I want to go back to Jared Howland. How significant would the issue like Palestine be to losing Sinn Féin votes? And is it actually doing the correct thing in actually saying it will go to Washington rather than maybe cutting off its nose to spite its face? I think it's significant for a cohort to its left. I mean, there's a wonderfully scabrous uh, insult going around on social media about Sinn Féin that it's not the party of change, it's the party of collusion. Uh, so, you know, an insult like that counts in certain quarters. Uh, what the irony I find about Sinn Féin is not that they're going to the White House, but for years and years before any of this started, when they said they passionately cared about Palestinians, nobody in Sinn Féin ever once met an Israeli ambassador in Dublin for years. However, they can go where they want, when they want, and those are their choices. Um, Could it also be that we're putting too much attention to opinion polls that the general election in 2020 never predicted the size of the Sinn Féin vote and that if there is a genuine mood for change amongst the electorate, no matter what these opinion polls say, if people are looking to form a new government, Sinn Féin will benefit from that at election time? Yeah, and people, by the way, particularly the upsurge for uh, support for independence, when you go into the polling station, you may well vote for an independent, but you're very conscious that your vote will count to the formation of a government. And what sort of government are you for or against? And I think uh, votes will filter into the mainstream to an extent away from independence. But where I am now on all of this is on the fence. You'll be very foolish to go with your money to the bucky shops on any of this at the moment. Okay, Asha Miller, there's something else I want to ask you about. Um, how sinister is this that Holly Kearns, the leader of the Social Democrats, has decided to close her constituency office in Bandon in West Cork? Yes, it, I mean, it is It is quite um, sinister, Matt, but I suppose not on the part of, of Holly Kearns. So what happened here is that um, she's been forced to close her abandoned constituency office permanently due to uh, security concerns, as was reported in the Irish Examiner this morning by Tyke McNally. And basically what's happened here is that the Gardaí had given her advice that um, during a security review um, and the decision was made to close her office. Um, and I suppose the background to that is that she she previously reported being uh, stalked by someone and they showed up at her house um, and obviously that's quite a troubling incident for anyone to go to and she had also been sent inappropriate sexualised images uh, by men I understand as well um, obviously again another concerning uh, development and uh, following a security review then she was told by the Gardaí not to hold constituency clinics because um, this was a number of months ago because um, to, to to hold a constituency clinic, obviously the TD puts up, like, I'm going to be here at this community centre, I'm going to be here. West Cork's obviously a big constituency. Um, and, and that obviously would give away where she's going to be at, at a place and a time um, if somebody wanted to go and, and harass or um, you know potentially do something more sinister to her they would know where she was now this is not without I suppose precedent or not uncommon um, the Waterford TD Mary Butler was given similar advice Matt recently in the last six months she received a death death threat last summer. After that she was told by Gardaí to take certain security measures including changes to her constituency office um, putting in better, literally a better door on one of her constituency offices and um, put gates up at her home and things like that and she was also advised by Gardaí not to publicly announce where she's going to be before she goes to a certain event. Obviously as a TD and as a Minister for State as Mary Butler is, you go to a lot of like 
like openings and ceremonies and all of those sort of things and she's told not to uh, publicise any of that beforehand due to the concerns for her safety because she had received okay. a death threat. I want to go to you, Jared Holm, to finish this. How sinister is it that, I mean, okay, maybe the Gardaí are taking what they believe is practical safety measures and telling people not to advertise where they're going to be, but to close down constituency clinics and to not be able to advertise where you're going to serve your constituents, whatever the background and motivations of those making threats, is this not something that has to be stood up to? Absolutely, and apart from maybe Desi O'Malley at the height of the Troubles and one or two other justice ministers in Taoiseach, and no Irish politician has ever had to operate within a security bubble. It's completely the opposite of how we expect and want our, 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 our politics. And at a much lower end of the scale, a, a local councillor was speaking to me and explained that since COVID, just the basic communication and interaction with people is getting narkier, less pleasant and, and, less, and less mannerly. And then you rise up above that to much more serious issues that have been detailed by, by Ashling. And how do you protect people in public life? Because they need to be out there. You can't have them under guard or escort or under lock under lock of uh, lock and key. I saw something on social media with David Cullinan in Waterford. Some guy goes up to him with a video phone and uh, starts questioning him very aggressively in an extremely rude, intrusive way. Again, at a lower end of the scale, but, but if that's your life, it becomes extremely unpleasant. It uh, keeps people out of politics rather than in, and we end up being much the poorer because of it. Jared Holland, Ashley Maloney from the Irish Daily Mail and Daniel Murray from the Business Post. Thank you all very much for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4:30. Today.